0: Welcome to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection, a podcast that connects seekers and sages and where culture, spirituality, and science intersect. I'm Deb Bowen, your anchor host. I'm a spiritual educator and more, and you can learn more about me, this podcast, and my services at www.debbowen.com, and I welcome you this week to my episode entitled Spiritual Tools to Honor Spring. And I have to tell you that recently on my Deb and Friends Quest for Connection Facebook page, I posted a question to uh, my followers asking if they would be willing to share ideas for topics for this podcast. And one of you suggested this topic And I thought, what a great idea as we approach the vernal equinox on this year, very early, March 19th. And so I did some homework and some research, and I, of course, also did a great deal of meditation and going back through notes of uh, workshops that I had done and rituals that I have created and came up with some ideas that I want to share with you about what we all can do in a way that honors the shifting of the season. And I want to begin by reading something to you that I wrote in 2006, actually, for a vernal equinox ritual I did with a group of friends back then. And here's what it says. Spring is about promise. The long, hard winter is over, and Mother Earth renews herself once again. Spring is about hope. We plant a tiny acorn, and the mighty oak tree springs forth. Spring is about reincarnation and resurrection. All life is indeed a circle. And we honor many ways, many traditions that touch our lives every day, whether we are conscious of them or not. For example, the pagan tradition knows that the dim promise of light, at midwinter will be fulfilled and that we will reap what we sow jews commemorate the going up to israel from egypt with the passover celebration christians celebrate the resurrection of jesus from the tomb of death first peoples give thanks to creator for survival and procreation many middle eastern traditions celebrate new year's day on the first day of spring as the whole world begins anew. All creatures during spring are honored, including two-legged, four-legged, winged, crawling, and swimming people. All nature is honored. The earth, the sky, and the sea, and all those entities that we cannot even see, fairies, elves, gnomes, and those who have gone before us to other realms. We are all related. And as I reread that, after some time away from it, I realized that even more today than I did when I wrote that, I deeply believe and have come to realize how important it is that we approach the shifting of the seasons in this way, and particularly our coming into the spring season, where we must We must believe in promise and in hope in order for us to carry on our lives in this world. So I hope that that uh, reading has resonated for you. Let's talk for a minute about what spring is. And, And, of course, here I'm speaking spring in the northern hemisphere here in March. I know that in the southern hemisphere, spring, of course, occurs six months from now. Uh, in September. But here's what happens. As we are in the spring season, which we call the vernal equinox, we are shifting a balance from darkness to light. And on that day of the vernal equinox or thereabouts, the world is in balance. The equinoxes offer us a moment of balance between dark and light, between day and night. And I don't know about you, but for me, finding just a moment to be still, to breathe, to just accept my place in the cosmos and know that that balance around me really does exist and that the universe flows in the way in which it is supposed to gives me hope, gives me promise and reminds me that I have a place in that hope and that promise. So we're awakening from winter. Remember that on December 21st or thereabouts, as we had the winter solstice, and just from that moment until now and continuing, every day the light gets a little longer. We have a little more time of light. And we celebrated the midpoint between solstice and the equinox at the holiday we call Imbolc in my tradition, which is February 1st and 2nd, where there's a quickening. Even if we can't see it, we know that beneath the dirt, Mother Earth is waking up. Seeds are spreading their their wings, and, and we're beginning to think about the greening of trees. I recently was driving down a lovely street in my town and some early blooming trees were just beginning to show off their white flowers. And I passed a beautiful Corsipia bush with its yellow flame uh, yesterday. And, and it's like, oh, wow, look, the world around me is waking up. So part of and perhaps one of the most important tools that we can use as we approach the idea of how we can honor spring is to use our senses, to use our eyes. What can we see? And to pay attention, to literally pay attention, to really look closely at the branches of the trees in your yard. And just as those very, very small first buds begin to show where the leaves are coming forth, pay attention to those. And just say, Wow. I am honored and I am thrilled to know that the cycle continues once again. I live deep in a maritime forest on a barrier island and and I have in the yard, I share the yard in which I uh, live with um, live oak and water oak trees and a couple of other kinds of trees and some of those trees are deciduous so they're green for most of the year or mostly green but there are a couple that are barren. And just here in the next couple of weeks, I will begin to see the leaves spring forth. And it'll seem like they're doing that in that, that time-lapse thing that you see on cameras sometimes. And, and how wonderful that is. So what can I see in the world around me that reminds me to say, thank you. I am honoring this transition into this new season. What can you hear? There are birds that will be returning, at least in my world. There are birds that will be returning as spring comes. The wrens will be back looking for places to make their nests. The robins will reappear. I will have on a given afternoon red-winged blackbirds that just flocks of them invade my land and, and come and, and are scattered all over the place. And then they push, take off and go again. This is the time that my neighbor Charlie returns. Charlie is a great blue heron, and he is old. And Charlie is with us in the spring. And in the summer, when it gets busy on my island, Charlie goes away. And he lives in the marshes out alone for a while in the chaos and the the craziness of summer. But he's with me in the spring. And he comes back in the fall. And he sits on the dock at the end of my road and we eye each other and speak. And there have been times when I have been sitting just at the edge of the water on a on a dock and Charlie has come in and stood just an arm's length away from me. And that was a that's a very intimidating thing. Great blue herons are large birds. And when I'm sitting down on the dock, he's taller than I am. And yet I remind myself that I am in his home. And I am grateful that he shares it with me and that he has a place to be in this beautiful world in which we live and that he feels safe. And I pray that he always will. So, listening to the sounds of the birds or the shifts in the wind that happen in the spring. There's, there's, terrible as it may be sometimes with, with thunderstorms, there's also a a magic and a a powerfulness in listening to the wind that whips up in a thunderstorm. Certainly another way is to use your sense of smell. What are the fragrances that are different in the spring? Flowers, for example, of course. As you know, if you follow my Facebook page, you know how much I love hyacinths and how much they remind me of my mother and poetry she used to read to me as a child. And for me, spring always smells like hyacinths. I have them blooming in my house right now. I love that fragrance. So pay attention to sight and sound and taste and smells and touch. Does the world feel different to you? It does. If you think about how you shift the clothing that you wear, for example, In this time of year, as you change your closets and move towards your spring and summer clothes, what's the difference in the texture? And and can you connect with the materials from which they came? For example, have you ever said thank you to the cotton plant that provides so much of our clothing? Just think about that. The people who made them. So it's another way of honoring the transition of the season towards spring. So one of the holidays that I mentioned earlier as we talk about the many holidays that are celebrated in honor of spring, one of the ones that, that I am, of course, most familiar with is the holiday of Ostara. And Ostara comes to us from the name of a Germanic goddess, actually. Um, her, her name was spelled E-O-S-T-R-E. She was a Germanic Celtic uh, goddess. And she is the name from which, her name is Is the word from which um, estrogen comes, from which menstruation comes, from which... Um, uh, my mind's gone blank, the the word that we use when we speak of of animals as being in a condition to mate. So her name gives us a lot of language to speak of this time of year of procreation, of a new cycle beginning in our lives and in terms of, of animals as well and the land and so forth. And so she comes to us with the roots of those words and the root actually of the word Easter that of course is familiar to folks of the Christian tradition. Her story is a story of rebirth that cross cultures in many in many ways. And I want to tell you a little bit about one of those myths that cross cultures. And that is the myth of the lunar hair. Now, I, I don't even know really where the tradition came from of on the first day of each calendar month, uh, we say to each other, rabbit, rabbit. I, I don't know where that comes from, but I do it because it's just kind of a part of the world I live in, But it, and it's fun. And recently, I posted a picture of a rabbit slash hare on one of my Facebook pages, and somebody commented that I had posted a hare and not a rabbit, and okay. All right, there you go. But one of the reasons, of course, that I do that is because if you think about um, Alice in Wonderland, for example, or some of the myths and, and legends that are connected with rabbits and hares, you hear the phrase March Hare. Well, this is one of the places that that legend comes from. So here are just a couple of things that you might find interesting. In Rome, in old Roman times, uh Hairs were an emblem, of course, of fertility, of abundance, but also a caution against rampant and rampant growth and excess. Did you know, I didn't know this, one doe, which is what a female rabbit is called, can produce 42 young each year. And so the lunar hair became an emblem of gods and goddesses in Roman times, such as Venus and Aphrodite, Cupid, uh, because that hair represents a gift of fertility. And so that notion from Roman and Greek times carried over into other cultures. And so in Anglo-Saxon mythology, for example, Ostara, Uh, the goddess, is the personification of the rising sun. And she's uh, depicted sometimes with a hare's head or hare's ears. And, of course, she is associated, as we've mentioned, with spring and fertility and resurrection. She loves children. She once turned her pet bird into a hare, and this hare laid brightly colored eggs which the goddess then gave to children as a gift. And that's one of the legends about where the idea of coloring Easter eggs and then giving them to children came from. And, of course, and I'll talk about the Christian tradition that comes from that later, but, but that's another um, piece of the puzzle of the lunar hair. And so today we think of bunnies, Rabbits' hairs connected with spring, certainly because of the fertility piece, but also because of the magical piece. Rabbits don't lay eggs, but the star's rabbit did, right? I've always wondered about that. I remember asking my mother as a child, how, how did bunnies and eggs and get all confused here? And of course, my sweet little mother couldn't answer that question. But again, if you're looking for Symbols with which to work, and I'll talk about ways you can work with these symbols in a minute. If, you can, if you're looking at ways of, of working with various symbols for honoring spring, certainly a rabbit would be an appropriate uh, way to do that. I have a little tiny, and I by that I mean it's probably two inches high, a pottery image of a lunar hare that I actually got in Avalon that is for me always on my altar always as a representation of a reminder that everything cycles and that there's always rebirth and renewal in my life. So here's some other symbols and some things that you can use to connect with the spring holiday and to honor this holiday. Remember, too, that lambs are often a part of this holiday. This is the time of year when baby lambs are born, I guess, By definition, lambs are babies. And so uh, think about that, and you might want to have a picture or a statue of some sort of a lamb around to remind you of that. Also, of course, in the Christian tradition, remember Jesus was called the Lamb of God. Uh, So it's also, while we think about birth and renewal, we must also think about death and sacrifice because that has also been Part of the circle. And just as in the winter, so much has died away and lost, now it is time for that renewal to occur. So the Lamb reminds us of that. Certainly decorate eggs, what a fun thing to do, and hide them. I remember I used to have a cousin who uh, had what he called the lucky egg. We would have this big family gathering at Easter on Easter Sunday And he had a, it was plastic, a plastic gold egg that I think he put a $10 bill in, which back in those days was a lot of money. And whoever the child was that during the Easter egg hunt found the lucky egg was one lucky, happy child, you know. And that was always the big thing, was to look for the lucky egg. So I still think it's kind of fun to do. Another thing you can do as you are connecting with the energy of spring is to work with crystals that are um, shaped, tumbled in the shape of eggs. For example, I have on my desk an egg-shaped piece of sodalite. And sodalite is the writer's stone. It is a crone stone. And I have a piece that's been tumbled and shaped into an egg for fertility of new ideas and creativity for me. And so it, it lives with me all the time, next to my computer, my stone, my egg-shaped soda light. You can work, of course, with the food element of spring. Who doesn't love hot cross buns? I, I love them. I think they're marvelous, and I um, I can't wait for my local bakery to to have those and, and ready for for eating for this time of year. And so there are other foods, of course, that are. Depending on where you live, traditional spring foods uh, in my world, uh, ham and potato salad is that's big spring food and that's traditional Easter dinner where i where I live and of course, there are reasons for that you know it's it's a, a time of year for that. so think in terms of while some of these ideas are spiritual and some mystical perhaps even there's also some logic and some common uh, cultural pieces to thinking in terms of spiritual tools. Gardening and herbs, this is certainly that time of year to get your hands dirty. And I really do recommend that you uh, plant something, at least this time of year, something that feels right to you, that you connect with the earth in that way. If you follow my Deb and Friends Quest for Connection Facebook page, you will notice that every weekday morning I post a book suggestion of the day. It usually uh, rolls out somewhere between 8.30 and 9 o'clock Eastern time. And this time of year I have a tendency to post suggestions of books that have to do with gardening and connecting to the energy of plants. So you might want to take a look at, at those and I think that would be fun for you to do. I really also recommend, back to our senses, that in listening to the natural world around us, you also listen to some music that is connected to this time of year. I recently, as I was planning, actually, this uh, podcast episode, I listened to Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring. And I think of Revolve in the Four Seasons. And I'm sure there's a lot more out there, but those two just came to mind immediately to say, golly, you know, here's another way that I can connect to this beautiful time of year, this idea of birthing and creativity, because that's really what spring is for me all about. You can also create an altar. And, you know, we we use that word pretty loosely, I think, in in my work anyway, where, where whatever you put together on a tabletop or a bookshelf or wherever works for you, that represents a place where you can focus your attention on a given topic, a given situation, can be an altar. My friends joke that if I have a flat space, I have an altar on it. And that is absolutely true. I, there, there are altars all over my house. There's an altar on the dashboard of my car. But but I create some altars that are what I call standing altars in that they they have a job to do year-round. But then I create other altars that are specific to a specific occasion or a reason for an altar. And And if I were going to create a spring altar... This is, what, this is some pieces that I would do, not necessarily, these are not necessarily rules in any way. They are just my suggestion of, of what I would do and will do as I move into the spring season. So I would probably have a bouquet of flowers or at least one flower bud and a little vase of some sort I, to represent the plant kingdom or perhaps a living pot of something, you know, a pot of herbs, for example or a flower I was going to eventually transplant into a larger space, whatever, but something green. I would also have something representative of the animal kingdom, so a statue of a bunny or a lamb or whatever, but something to represent um, the animal kingdom. Mineral kingdom, certainly some kind of stone, at least one, that I would have to represent that. I would also invite into my altar the representations of the four elements and the four directions, and I'll talk about a fifth one as well. But if you, if you can conceptualize north, east, south, west, each of those directions and a compass point also have elements connected to them. So if, if we begin in the east, for example, the element of the east is air, Of the south, it is fire. Of the west, it is water. And of the north, it is earth. So I would have representation of those four directions and elements on my altar. So for example, for air, I might have a feather or a stick of incense. For the south, I would have a candle perhaps or something that represents heat in some way. Um, I have used a a dish of cinnamon, uh, or cloves, something hot and spicy. Uh, Hot chili pepper works in the South. In the West, a dish of water, or a seashell, or um, a figurine of, of a sea being, a whale, or a dolphin, or a fish for example, and in the north, something that represents earth uh, or a large four-legged person like a buffalo or a wolf or just a pot of dirt itself, earth itself would would work just fine. Um, So something that says, I honor that wheel of beingness, of the four directions and of their corresponding energies, in my tradition, there is, a, there is also a fifth element, and that is the element of spirit, and it knows no direction. It is above and beyond, and within, and beneath all other elements. And so, for me, representing and having a representation of spirit, I typically use a, a white candle, perhaps, to represent spirit in my altar. But however works for you, to just remind me, of my connection to spirit and to all that is and that all that I have placed on that altar is connected and representative of the intent with which I have set the altar. So those are some things that you might do to create a visual reminder of your connection to this time of year. I also would have put on my altar and will when I create it, a cauldron, a small bowl of some sort that is empty. There's nothing in it. And I do that as a way to say I am willing to accept the gifts that the universe gives me and the lessons that I'm meant to learn. And the legend of the cauldron is ancient, 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 ancient. That I'll be teaching a course uh, that begins on the 24th, I believe, the 24th of this month. Uh, Yes, Tuesday the 24th. It's a three-session course about working with the energy of that symbol, of the cauldron and of the Holy Grail, and of what are called the nine more games, the energies and the... Uh, muses, basically, uh, that are connected to uh, life deep within the earth. So if you're interested in taking a look at, at that course, I would love to have you join me. Information about that's on my website. But I But I put the cauldron on my altar as a way of reminding myself that I am a vessel, that I, too, am open to change and growth and renewal in my life. And that's what the cauldron symbolizes for me. There's a, a wonderful book that I would recommend to you that um, that I've probably recommended on this podcast before, and I know I have on my Facebook page. It's called Everyday Sacred by Sue Bender. And it's one of the most gentle, beautiful books I know. And, and Sue writes a lot about being an empty bowl, a willingness to grow and to accept what the lessons are that that come to us in our lives. And I think that's one of the gifts that we get from spring is that we don't know what each spring will bring exactly. We we have a general idea of life renewing itself because we have a history of life renewing itself over and over again annually in our lives. So we assume that this spring will be similar to all the ones before it. And and it probably will. But we also know that the coming of spring is sometimes different, and each is unique. And every day of the unfurling of those leaves and the unfolding of the days and the coming of just in our own yards, the birds and the squirrels and and whoever else lives in our space with us, there's some differences, there's some nuances of uniqueness that each spring brings to us. And I would invite you to have that awareness as you approach this spring. And so one of the most important tools that I would suggest to you is your journal. That you find time every day, to spend just a few moments in meditation and in solitude thinking about the transition into this new season, the gifts that you're being given, and what your place is in that evolution of springtime, of the coming of this beautiful holiday. So I I hope that you would consider that and See yourself as a part of this transition into this new season. I hope that you would see yourself as a part of the hope of what this season is all about. I think so, so very often that we find ourselves, well, I can't say we, I can say I. Sometimes find myself cynical. Sometimes despair. I I find myself in a state of despair about the world around me. And yet there are these moments that come totally unexpectedly, totally unbidden, and they take my breath away. Yesterday, as I turned down my street from being out running errands, a red-tailed hawk flew across the hood of my car. If I'd been going five miles an hour faster, I don't know what would have happened, but I was I was just creeping because I'd just made the turn. And here comes this hawk flying across my windshield and dashes up into the trees. And, of course, I stopped. I just, I just froze because hawk is my spirit animal. And I knew, of course, that there was a message there for me. And I also knew that I was so, I'm so blessed to share my world with that hawk and her world and that together we come into a new place every day. And I wasn't expecting that. How can you expect that to happen? And it was such a gift. And those moments, those moments are worth writing about in your journal They're worth honoring about on an altar. They're worth singing and celebrating about. And so to think in terms of how you might be more conscious of spring, actively participate in it in whatever way you can, give some of your energy and and love away uh, to whatever might work for you in the world so that you perpetuate Mother Earth's great gift-giving cycle. Mother Earth's great gift-giving circle becomes your own. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Deb and Friends' Quest for Connection, and I so appreciate you being with me. I hope you'll check out my website, debbowen.com, and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Let me just do a tiny bit of advertising here uh, coming up in my newsletter this month will be information about the Cauldron, the Grail, and the Nine Gaines course. Also, a course I'm offering uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, in the middle of the month about connecting with the goddess. And uh, some time that I'm carving out to offer some readings. So all of that's coming up in my newsletter. that will be out in the next couple of weeks. So go to my website, go down to the purple band at the bottom of the page, and and just take a second and, and sign up for my newsletter. I only send it out once a month. So blessings and deep gratitude to you for joining me. I'll be back with you next week with something new, and I hope something that you will enjoy and resonate with. And in the meantime, stay connected to each other. Blessings to you.